Hey, Matt, we're just going to record your voice and have a little AI script that says it with your voice. Yeah, yeah with your voice. <laughs> I'll do it, man. I'll train it up. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode two of the AI for Good podcast, where we try and shine light on how you as a nonprofit leader can use AI for good. In today's episode, we discuss how AI can revolutionize your productivity, ignite your creativity, and potentially help save you money. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Matt Sides. With me is Sam Wheatley and Dylan Bose. Hey. Hey, welcome. So in my experience talking with people who are curious about AI, the first question that they often ask is, well, what what even, how do I even do this? You know, what what is it? How do I connect to it? Do I have to be a computer hacker to get in touch with it? <laughs> what I point out to to people when I get asked this question is, the difference between a search engine and AI, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's usually what comes up is everybody thinks this is some new grand search engine. And so uh, the way I explain it is search engines are for finding and AI is used for creating or understanding. And so that's, that, that's, yeah. that's about the simplest way to break it down. So use a search engine to find something. We are using AI to create something new or to understand something. Yeah, Matt, I would say the only other thing is like it also is you're finding something then being able to manipulate that thing. Mm-hmm or refine the results. Like one of the powers I think of even sort of the search function of like a Bing, uh, which is an AI integration into a s- typically search function type platform is that you can get an answer and then drill down further and further and further and further in yeah. order to get more and more details or uh, information about whatever topic or product that you're looking for. What it feels like when you use it, uh, this is how I describe it sometimes, what it feels like when you use it is like a a single brain that has access to all information in the universe and you're communicating with that single brain. Mm -hmm. So rather than a search where you're sort of, you are the interface where you're trying to like put pieces together as you're gathering information and put it together. It's like imagining, you know, there's this there's this single brain that understands every piece of information on the internet, and you're able to communicate w- with it. Like you said, you're you're learning and understanding, and then you're able to ask follow up questions and even debate with it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or ask it to change the the frame through which it's like showing you this information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so for our listeners, anyone who's listening and they, they're excited about this, they want to get started, what would you recommend? Because there's, there's a lot of confusing terms out there, right? You have chat GPT, which I think everyone has heard. You, you've got like Bing, you've got Bard, you've got Dolly and mm. all of the data sets, right? All of these confusing terms. How can we simplify it for someone who's looking to get started? My favorite is Bing. Um, I'm a big Bing fan, A, because it's the integration of ChatGPT4 into a typical search engine. And then it is sort of the tip of the spear for all of Microsoft's um, product line. And so that's really the most advanced um, integration of AI into an entire suite of products that people are very familiar with, like Word or Excel or presentation, all this stuff is integrated in. And so I think that's probably the most seamless way to enter Mm -hmm. into the AI world without, and it's still feeling pretty familiar and pretty safe. And I understand how to use Word and I understand how to use a search function like Bing. 
but then it adds on these other things, these elements we're talking about where you can kind of go from what's known to then explore further into the AI world. Yeah, that's great. And can you remind us just real quick, how are you using Bing? Because you, so, work, you work for a nonprofit. Yeah, I work for a nonprofit. But, uh, so let me just start with, first of all, where do you find Bing? One, you just download mm-hmm. it. Um, Microsoft has a web browser called Edge and Bing is built into Edge now. And so mm-hmm. if you go to Edge, it's a little B at the upper right-hand um, corner of the page. And so you can just click on that and you can hit chat, which is where you ask it a question or do all kinds of other things. You can compose now. So it has um, these options to compose a paragraph, an email, a blog post, or just ideas. And you can determine whether you want short, medium, or long generation of a draft. And then uh, it also has this insights that gives you sort of further topics to follow up on that are related to your question. Um, So I use it day to day for all kinds of things like here's a concept I don't understand, explain it to me uh, like I was a fifth grader. Uh, I just bought a new microphone for this podcast. And so I said, how do I set up my, and I named the, the model of the microphone in the quickest way. And it was actually gave me directions, pointed me to certain podcasters and to videos, but it's summation was so easy that I was able to do it very quickly. And it was actually better and different than the directions that came with it because they had updated the setup mechanism recently. And so it was super easy. That's one thing. The other thing is I use it for exploring, for example, like how our nonprofit may sound to different audiences. Mm. Um, pretend, and so I'll do a prompt like pretend you're a you know student affairs officer at a un- major public university, and you heard about this online platform that my nonprofit had developed. What would be your questions? What would be your response to it? And then it'll generate that. And then I'm able to then think about it, craft new ways of maybe an email to that audience that could be more persuasive for them to actually consider it, those type of things. Um, And also, like we mentioned last week on the podcast, writing an email that may be difficult or a concept that, hey, I want to be, I want to explain this to somebody in a way that makes sense to them. Help me write this. Yeah, that's great. And so just if for anyone wanting to get started, we'll put a link in the description. You, you That is probably the biggest downside and the only real downside to using Bing and its AI is that you do have to download and use Edge to start using. it. There is also an app. So you can also okay. download the app on your phone and go directly into um, Microsoft. It's basically an Edge application on your phone. Okay, great. And so Dylan, you use it for completely different purposes, right? Like you're very creative. So if someone's, you know, in the creative sector of a nonprofit, what, what would you recommend them looking into? If you have a creative role in your organization, you know that one of the hardest parts is coming up with ideas and concepts and putting things together in a new way. And so I love using the, the AI text functions to 
just come up with new ways of thinking about things. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's sort of this idea of like a single brain with access to all the information <laughs> on the internet. So you can sort of uh, think outside. It's almost like having a, a really, really large group of friends that you can like bounce ideas off of. Like yeah. Very yeah. extremely large uh, group of friends like the whole universe of information. <laughs> but I want to share with you guys a platform called Midjourney. This is one of the most popular text to image applications that is based on artificial intelligence and machine learning. We'll put a link in the description to explain how how to get started with it. But basically Midjourney is a text to image generator and you can type in what you would like it to create. And it does an absolutely astounding job at creating very high quality images, especially like in the editorial style, like fashion shoot. But it can do illustrations. It can do um, logos. And what's really exciting about it, too, is that you can uh, you can create variations on the images that you make and you can you know, refine them, you can change them, you can blend things together, you know, like a lot, an example of what people do that's kind of funny is like the World Cup as directed by Spike Lee um, <laughs> or the World Cup as directed by Wes Anderson. And so, you know, it's like a bunch of soccer players on a field, but like the Wes Anderson one looks so different from the Spike Lee one. And like, so I like to just go on there and sort of cause chaos. Like I I went, I, I, I said, um, Imagine artificial intelligence in the style of Lisa Frank. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember those old like binders from high school, but yes, high school. Yeah, more like elementary school. I, I was not using a Lisa Frank binder in high school. Uh, yeah, now the secrets come out. Yeah, oops, I'll tell you, buddy. But um, yeah, and it just created this like totally insane thing you can't unsee uh yeah it's super wild or um the other one i did was the nuclear apocalypse in the style of a thomas kincaid painting wow <laughs> that sounds awesome it was great. It was like, it's that would fun. be a, that would be a painting of light yes. <laughs> painting of light. and definitely a bright light yeah so um it's it's really cool and and like a lot of the a lot of the creative stuff is still like in the sort of play and exploration stage yeah and even if it's not something you can use i think brainstorming is important you can put in some ideas and get some ideas and then take it to you know your creative person on staff or whatever and have them edit it for leadership roles there's always this issue of i can see it in my mind but i can't you know i can't get the words out to explain it uh, mm -hmm. I've, I've seen that a lot right. so i i feel like you could use it very well to go in there and maybe put in some ideas and get a rough idea and say here's a, here's your starting point right um right. that's great people's time yeah yeah it allows matt you that's a very important point i think that you're allowing your imagination not to be um hindered by your ability Mm -hmm. And so you're able to sort of, hey, what if I created a presentation to donors that, you know, had these elements to it, both maybe information and facts, but also some fun elements or some engaging um, stories. And again, you don't have to hire a super creative team to do that. You can right. play around and iterate with those ideas with things like this on your own. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes yep. to execution, what you're then using your creative folks for is for the editing, the refining, the perfecting of that idea. And, and not only 
that, but you can use specific references to come up with the idea. So you can say, I want a presentation to donors, which looks like this one that, you know, already exists that somebody created before. So you can, just as you would be explaining what you want to your designer, you know, right. you can, you can use that uh, in these platforms as well. Yeah. And I think that's, so that's what sets being a part as well. So being has all of this integrated. And so if, if you're just looking to kind of dip your toe into it and do something easy, I've, I've done a great deal of research in all of the different technologies and stuff and currently being as ahead of the rest. Uh, and so just a couple of things, if you are looking at some other stuff, so being site sources, and I think that's big for anyone in the nonprofit field, you know, we want to know where our information's coming from. And that's, that's super important to me. Other sources, other AIs have been known to plagiarize. And currently, I, as far as I know, Bing hasn't been caught plagiarizing anything. It is rewriting stuff in its own um, in its own voice. Bing generates images, just like we were talking about. So you do have mid-journey if you want to get a little bit more in-depth. But if you're, again, you're just dipping your toe into it and getting started, Bing is kind of that all-in-one source. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bing also is better at coding. So if anyone's listening to this and they know some about coding, uh, currently they kind of have the edge on everyone else. Bing has a larger memory. And so if you are writing these big grants uh, and you, you know, you're up to maybe four or 5,000 words, some AI engines are not going to accept that. Whereas Bing accepts up to 10,000, I believe. Does that sound right? 10,000 yeah, words. Pretty large. Which is huge. I mean, 10,000 words is a small book. So you could drop in a lot and have it review it and look for discrepancies, you know, anything like that. So currently our, our overall recommendation, I would say between the three of us, right, would be if you're getting started with this is to, to download Edge and, and start trying out Bing. Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. I think for those reasons you mentioned, Matt, and then also I played a lot around a lot with sort of the way that it presents ideas mm-hmm. and the language that it's using is a little, to me, feels a little more polished and human yeah. than um, something like Bard, which is coming on strong and it'll be caught up within three months. But right. for right now, Bing, I think, is the overall leader for a lot of these reasons. And it's funny, I, I shared some text with you earlier this week and you, without knowing, you said Bard wrote that. Right. Like you just knew from the style. And so Bard is very conversational and we don't want to get too cloudy here. But Bard is Google's new AI that launched just within the past two weeks, I think. And whereas like being since it's running off of chat GPT four, it's very informational. And the good thing about being is if it gives you something that's a lot of words, you can say shorten it and write it in this tone. And uh, being is very good at that, whereas Bard is not. Bard kind of only has one voice right now. Mm hmm. Matt, can you talk about AI in the context of coding and programming? Yeah, so currently it's been very good. I've seen it create new websites. I've seen it create games. I've seen it create recreate chess. And so when to graduate from like a C++, which is a old Microsoft programming language, I had to write pro- I had to write a program code for chess. You had to be able to play chess. Nice. It didn't have to be visual, but it was text-based. And so that was just, that was my graduation project, right? And now that can do that in just a few seconds. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's pretty incredible. It's very good for entry-level stuff. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, and this is where the naysayers do have a little bit of footing in that, you know, it is going to put some entry-level coders out of jobs um, because they're right now, like what we would do is maybe pay, you know, an entry-level guy right out of college, um, you know, $20, $30 an hour to do some coding, that can almost be done now um, through this AI technology. 
And so the grunt work is what we would call it is going to be done. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of, we're going to have a need for full stack developers, I believe, uh, people who understand multiple programming languages and how they can work together uh, and going on in the future because it's not there. And I don't see where it could be there um, anytime soon because it is a complex, complex thing. If you have a any type of app or web application, those things are using multiple platforms on multiple languages. And so it's not as simple as a, as a one sheet of code where there's an error and it can find it. Yeah, Matt, you bring up a question that I've been thinking about. There's sort of a lot of the uh, current critique of AI, mm -hmm. but I think to me, the genuine challenge is something you just brought up there is like the way humans have learned over the centuries has been to start as a novice, gain some skills, take your time. And then over that long period of time, the truly excellent kind of rise to the top. Yeah. yeah um, but it seems like AI is going to cut out that entry and early development stage. And so my question is, will how will humans develop uh, expertise so that they actually have the understanding and the wisdom to direct some of these technologies? Yeah, that's a great question. Um... Because at some point there's going to be a knowledge gap, right? Like at yeah. some point you're going to, the full stack developers who know how to work with all these programming languages, they're going to start retiring. And then you're going to have a bunch of people who never did the entry level work to learn, you know, to get to being a full stack coder or developer. Uh, and so I, I could see it going a couple different ways, but I think the most likely scenario is you're going to have a group of young people who are coming out of college who are going to learn to utilize this tool in a very resourceful way. And that they're going to get two, if not three times the amount of work done. And whereas you would have to have two or three interns or entry-level developers to do something, you can have one who understands how to use AI and pull that code and give it to these full-stack developers. Yeah, that's interesting. I was just having a conversation with somebody who's a teacher and AI came up and we were discussing it. And I actually said, well, I think it's actually this could actually increase sort of classical education because... Mm -hmm. How do you think well? How do you reason well? How do you develop those skills, which has been the sort of heart of classical Western education, are going to be more and more important because mm -hmm. it's not the technology of how do I learn the newest, quickest thing, because that's going to be handled by our technology. But how do I apply wisdom to this information yeah. is going to be the skill that's essential. Exactly. Yeah. Learn learning to management and make it work, right? Like it, yeah. it can it can spit out an answer for you, no problem. But that doesn't mm -hmm. mean it works. It doesn't right. mean it launched a full scale website or a full scale application. Yeah, and I think it's important for our listeners who are in the nonprofit space. What we're saying is that um, these AI technologies are enabling you to do far more than you could do previously with mm -hmm. smaller staffs. Um, your productivity. Yeah the potential for your productivity to increase dramatically is is clearly there and at your fingertips today but it will not negate the wisdom that it takes to how to use this technology to best accomplish your purpose or your reason for being in the world and so i don't want anybody out there to be fearing like is ai going to take over my nonprofit yeah no you're still going to be needed it's yeah. <laughs> But it's just how you go about doing your work is is under rapid change right now. What's the number one thing that nonprofits 
never have enough of money resources. and resources. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So but, this yeah. is this is the way to maximize the resources that you do have and to accomplish even more with them. Right. Yeah. We've we've all been there where it's like everybody's maxed out on their skill set, right? And you're spreading people thin. And so you might have someone who's writing content and that's not their wheelhouse, but they're the one who just decided to step in and take it. And so now this gives them such an amazing tool for content writing. You know, yep. you have people who can do research. Um, that's not what they were hired to do, but you needed someone to do it. And so now you've got them in here and you can give them this great tool. Then you can focus your actual time and energy on that larger vision and like you know, maximizing the the human element of like the wisdom piece. Information has become commodified, yeah. but wisdom will never be commodified. Exactly. So I've been using ChatGPT, and when we say ChatGPT, we basically mean Bing because it's one and the same. So I don't want to confuse anyone. Um, I use it. Um, daily. And so I've, I've used it just this week to rewrite some emails. And so the way I like to use it is I put my thoughts in. And so I say, you know, this is what's going on. This is what we need. Uh, and this is when we need it by, right? And I say, turn this into an email, make it sound friendly and professional. And I hit the enter button. And then it spits out an email for me to just copy and paste into my Gmail and send to this person of whatever is going on. Uh, and so that's that's one of the biggest ways. It just saves me so much time. I don't have to put a lot of thought into emails anymore and I can still sound professional because I'm off the cuff, just one of those guys who's like, here's the facts and let's move on, right? And that can be offensive if you've ever sent an email that's just, you know, it's just the facts and someone gets their feelings hurt. We've all been there, right? I'm, I'm guilty of that on a regular basis, I think. Uh, and so it's helped me tremendously in that aspect. And so the other AI technology I'm watching is BARD, which is Google's new AI that they just launched. It is using a different data set, and I don't want to get too into the technology behind it, um, but it does look very promising. They've got a lot of work to, to do. They're behind. I think, Sam, you said they're about three months behind, and I would agree with that assessment. Uh, what we're using now has been out for, since November, and so they they may even be a little bit further behind than that. But I, I do think it's Google, and I think I have no doubt that they're going to catch up and be maybe be the best within the next few months. Yeah, I agree with those two. I, I use uh, ChatGPT slash Bing on a daily basis and for those same reasons. And I'm curious about Bard. And I think Apple is sort of the quiet, dark horse in this mm. whole scenario. I know something's going on behind the scenes there, and I can't wait to see how they enter into this conversation. So I'd say Bing, ChatGPT is number one. But I'm also curious about applications to like some marketing. Uh, and so I've been exploring a thing called SEO AI, mm. which is using AI to sort of predictive behavior and looking at SEO for how to promote a new web product that our nonprofit is launching. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I want, I want to hear more about that, Sam. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, um, I use Midjourney all the time, so I use that probably every day, and uh, it's just a it's it's the best text to image platform that I have found, and it's really astounding. So one other creative uh, application I'm watching is this this area called NERFs, which is like N-E-R-F, and it stands for Neural Radiance Field, I think, and I don't even understand like why it's called that. But this technology allows you to take photos or video of like an object 
and it will create a three-dimensional like zoomable and like movable model of that thing that you did so this has so many applications for like real world things like for you know real estate or for museums mm-hmm. like if you're a museum or you have any if your nonprofit has anything to do with like the art the art world this is such a cool way to have people be able to visit your exhibitions from anywhere in the world at any moment and like be able to walk around the statues in your in your museum so um and like this technology is just getting started i'm i'm really interested to watch where that's going to where that's going to go that's really curious, Dylan. I mean, like the integration too with AR. Um, yes. This is going to really open up the whole AR field. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So everything from like, just in terms of storytelling, like using this technology to create really compelling videos or, yeah, or, or you know, in- introducing people to, to whatever you're working on and create like very engaging visual content. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the AI for Good podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, we kindly ask that you help us spread the word by liking, sharing, and subscribing to our podcast. By doing so, you'll help us reach more nonprofit leaders such as yourself so we can help them learn how they can use AI for good.